What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome back to the one and only Cavs the Podcast, featuring commentary from all of your favorite Cavs the Blog bloggers. No, we're, this isn't the start of the podcast. This, this is, us is still talk- the start of the podcast. Okay, okay. Well, so you just said what? Some Cincinnati is the setting for some novel. Uh, uh, Beloved by Toni Morrison, a Nobel Prize winning novel. Did you know Cincinnati had a, they built a subway system and they never used it? They ran out yeah, of money? Yeah, that's one of a couple different cities to do that. That's pretty crazy. They could use it too because uh, rush hour traffic in and out of the city is horrific. <laughs> so anyway... Uh, welcome to a Super Bowl, Super Bowl edition of Cavs the Blog podcast. I am Tom Pestak. I am joined by opera singer Ben Wirth. And, la, la, la. Uh, Man, Nate I'm going to have to mute that out. <laughs> oh, no. We can't, have corp- we can't have corporate sponsorships? No, oh, no, no, no. We are not sponsored by any uh, one. Yeah. Oh, any man. takers, feel free to sponsor. I'm going to have to go bleep, bleep, bleep. I was watching that 30 for 30 on the 85 Bears, and that was really funny, that whole thing with Jim McMahon where the commissioner called him about his headband. And so then the next game, he wore a headband and he wrote the commissioner's name on it in Sharpie. <laughs> that was, uh, uh, the NFL that was needs, well needs well more Jim McMahons. Well, I felt like Johnny Manziel, if he was good uh, and if he didn't have a drug problem, could have been the next Jim McMahon. <laughs> Didn't Jim McMahon have a drum drug problem, or am I making that up? 
I mean, I he might I have. Don't th- I don't think if he did. It didn't it, affect him on the field, yeah. that's for sure. Uh, I mean, I guess it was the no. 80s. Everybody had a drug problem. Yeah, right? no, it was not really a uh, – I don't think he ever got in trouble for anything like that. Yeah. They, so. so anyway, guys. Podcast uh, also not sponsored by Jim McMahon. So. Right. <laughs> so it feels like forever ago the Cavs had a riveting win against the – Pistons, who are no slouch, and it was in Detroit, and then <clears throat> they finally um, they finally broke the dam. They beat an elite team. It was a great game. Um, I don't care what anyone says, Ben. I don't. I don't care what you say about <laughs> Tim Duncan didn't play or whatever. I thought the Cavs had an answer every time the Spurs made a run, and all was well and good in the land of Clee and. We just had a panic week, in my opinion. Um, it feels like the malaise is back. The Mike Brown third quarters are back somehow. Uh, everything is iso ball, and it's so extreme. It's like the team has to realize this is happening. I mean, they have to because it's just so egregious. They can probably hear Austin Carr wailing in the first row about stop dribbling, and yet Kyrie keeps dribbling. Uh, it was a Pyrrhic victory against the Pacers. The Pacers really just blew that game, in my opinion. Uh, The Cavs played horribly in the second half. And then uh, a Kemba Walker-less Charlotte Hornets team really punked them, in my opinion. And then, of course, there was kind of a fluky loss to the the Celtics. I don't really feel like the Cavs lost that game so much as they put themselves in a position to lose that game. And then crazy stuff happened. I actually read that there was a... 0.1% 0.1% chance of the Celtics winning that at yeah. one point. Boston scored five points in the last four seconds. So so let's talk about this. Uh, what is going on? Um, it was a rough week. Ben, give me some of your takeaways. The guys don't like to play defense. I mean, as much as they... Uh, the iso ball is absolutely mind-bogglingly annoying, but defensively, LeBron and Kyrie have just totally stopped playing defense. In, in all of the games, even the games that were won or the Boston game that was kind of fluky, you had guys getting beat in transition, not picking up the ball handler in the, in the open floor, and completely messing up switches, like basic switches that you wouldn't mess up in a pickup game if you're talking, mm-hmm. and just not paying attention. And LeBron is the primary culprit as the big man when he's playing a big man and Kyrie's the primary culprit when he's playing the small. And it's just, you can't have two guys who are totally not playing real defense. Well, and And, let's add LeBron's most egregious sin, just the most horrific lack of boxing out on defensive rebounds. I have seen from a large player from a star player, maybe ever. I mean, it's just been, it's been four or five a game. And they all seem to come in the fourth quarter when the Cavs really need a defensive rebound. And I'm glad, actually, that those were your takeaways because, unbeknownst to you guys, uh, actually, they they know it, um, audience, but I've been uh, putting together <laughs> some tables here of stats. And since the Teron Lu era began, the Cavs dropped from fifth in the league in defensive rating to 18th. Oh, my God. Talk about a huge decline. 
Well, and not um, only that, it's not and, as well, if wait, they're... Wait, 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 let me Sorry. finish, Nate. So here, here is the extreme... Um, and we can talk about this because, Nate, you just brought up LeBron's lack of boxing out. The Cavs' best skill in the David Blatt era was, was rebounding, particularly defensive rebounding percentage. They were third in the entire NBA. Uh, in the Tehran Lu era, they've dropped from third in the entire NBA to 25th. And, and I've is noticed that, that. Is that total or during that time? No, they, I'm saying they if, you, have... if, you, if you take the last nine games for every NBA team okay. and you rank them by defensive rebounding percentage. So we're not, we're not, they haven't tanked their entire season in the last No, 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 no. I'm taking a, a nine-game subset okay. and saying okay. they've got the 25th uh, team in terms of defensive rebounding percentage. And that goes right along with uh, what you were just saying, Nate. And, and I've seen it, too. Um I mean, what is it? Are they getting dead legs? Are they? Are they? Is the is the early offense stuff in the first half tiring them out so much that they can't box people out? Or I mean, is it a mental thing? Uh, you know, Ben, what, what, what's your take on dropping from third in the entire NBA? I mean, it's not like TT's gotten hurt or Love isn't around. I mean, it's the same players. Like, why, why such a dramatic drop in defensive rebounding percentage? Uh, I think two things. One, if you're constantly talking about pushing and pace, not that we're actually seeing any of that because that's just nonsense, but well, at least the idea. In very limited spurts. But okay, yeah. fair enough. Fair enough. When you're doing that, basically that's translating into LeBron is leaking out. And either he's standing there or he's leaking out. And if you're not gang rebounding defensively because you're trying to push, then you just have fewer guys. Uh, I don't think that is as huge of a, an issue as actually being without uh, Delhi during this time. And a lot of the numbers back up that the team rebounds far better when Delhi's on the floor because Delhi actually puts a man on the roll man. Yeah, that's uh, absolutely true. In fact, his rookie, I think after his rookie season, Nate, at God Buckets, yeah, we, we had did a thing on four we factors, had the four APM. factors APM, and he was in the 90, he, like we did basically Madden ratings. And since it was plus minus based, just like what Ben just said, we were looking at how does the team perform in these different categories when a certain player is on the court and Delhi received a 99 rating no, or something. It was, it was in the 90th, it was above the 90th percentile, which for a guard is crazy. Is, he was among the, in the 90th percentile for players positively affecting his team rebounding percentage. Yeah. Uh, and for a guard, that is amazing. And you that, see that. I mean, I've, oh, we've yeah. noticed that since day one. Um, so, yeah, I think that hurts. I think I agree with you. I, I didn't really think about it. You're right. They're probably thinking about offense uh, when they're playing defense instead of playing defense and then kind of, you know, right. getting back into the old slow walk up the court, cross the timeline at 17 seconds and go from there. Um, so that brings up an interesting question, though, because – like everyone has pointed out ad nauseum by now, um, statistically their pace has actually gotten slower. And I, I pointed out on Mark Neal's show, when we, when we talk about the statistics of pace versus I think the jargon of playing a faster pace, those don't necessarily mean the same thing. And I have noticed in first quarters, the Cavs do try to get into their offense more quickly. And sometimes they'll throw it into Kevin Love 
He doesn't have good position. He'll pass it around a little bit, and then they'll repost, which I love it when they do that. I wish they would do that way more often. Um, but it's definitely not translating into more possessions per game. And yet the Cavs, I, I mean, I really feel like they seem like they have dead legs in the second half. Is is that just a fluke, or are they expending, are they wasting energy in the first half that they didn't used to, or is it a mental thing, or why are they suddenly just apocalyptically bad in the second half of games? Uh, Nate, what's your opinion on this? Well, I wanted to uh, point out uh, Nylon Calculus did a really uh, great article about a week ago called Measuring Half-Court Pace. And uh, it, it talks about uh, the half-court pace, basically average seconds elapsed by prior action before a shot goes up. And the Cavs in the half-court are fifth worse on the season in uh, in the NBA, uh, trailing only Memphis, Toronto, Miami, and Utah. Now, one part of that, you say, okay, that may not necessarily be a bad thing because Memphis, Toronto, and Miami are all winning teams, and Utah's no slouch. And so it does help their defense. Uh, interestingly enough, Golden State, as you would obviously know, is uh, number one in the NBA, or that you could guess is number one in the NBA, uh, and one of and Boston is number four. So they're really good at getting into their half court early. But we're we're only talking about a three second difference between the best and the worst team in the NBA. So you know. Pace is, is definitely something that the, the Cavs measurably slower than most other teams in the league. Um, when they do tend to push pace, it seems to be these LeBron, like you said, LeBron leaking out, these Kevin Love touchdown passes, um, these, uh, you know, LeBron and Kyrie just relentlessly attacking in transition. And if it's not there or... After a made defensive basket, and Tyron Lue talked a little about this earlier this week, the Cavs just don't even seem to know what to do after a made basket by the other team. They don't run their plays. They get all disheartened. They walk the ball up the court, and that is their biggest problem. It isn't when defense leads to offense. It's when the other team makes a basket, they're terrible. Um, And, you know, I obviously need to pull up some stats about them and their offense after opponents made baskets. Yeah. It's, uh, they, I I don't know what it is. And we talked about rebounding. We talked about, um, you know, their inability to defend the pick and roll. Well, none, none of this makes sense to me because by all beat writer accounts, and I'm, I'm becoming less trusting because I feel like a lot of the beat writers have agendas to push regarding Blatt and Lou but according to every writer that has covered the Cavs, Teron Liu was responsible for the defense before David Blatt was fired. And now David Blatt's gone. The offensive rating is pretty much exactly the same as it was uh, before David Blatt was fired. And the defense has dropped drastically. Um, the rebounding is gone. And the pace is slower. And shockingly enough, They've gotten better at taking care of the ball. So they're even, they're turning it over less. It just doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, you say you're going to push the pace. I could, I could sort of understand more turnovers because you're trying to increase the tempo. Turnovers have actually gone down. 
Um, pace has gone down. But now that the defensive mastermind is the head coach, you've, you, you're just a terrible defensive team. And it's not like these last nine games the Cavs have played a bunch of offensive juggernauts. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Chicago is not good offensively. The Spurs are elite at everything, but they're not the Warriors offensively. Um, you know, Charlotte, Indiana, Boston, those are all defensive teams. You know what I mean? So I, I, this is just stunning to me that they are, they went from one of the best rebounding teams in the league to below average or one of the worst. Um, you know, and, and their, their three point shooting has just completely dried up. What do you think is going on? Ben, you, you're really good at analyzing, um, mechanics. I want your take on, Kyrie Irving's shot right now. And then I want to give you my rant that I gave my cousins today about LeBron's free throw shooting. So free throw um, shooting or three point shooting. Well, I get, I get close ups on my TV of his free throw shooting, but Ben, how does Kyrie, a guy that at one time looked like a 50, 40, 90 threat shooting like 20% from three, like what, what is going on with him right now? Well, on the bright side, he did finally hit a few outside shots in the last in the last game. Um, he has a bit of a palm shot, which is not the biggest problem in the world. A lot of shooting mechanic coaches will will say that it's awful to have the ball in your palm and always say to put it on your fingertips. But if you actually do a slow down uh, shot mechanic, like slow motion video of both even Steph Curry and Kyrie, both of those guys shoot off their palms. And uh, Kyrie especially is one of those guys who has the little bit of a two-handed release where it almost looks like he's using his guide hand to, to push the ball forward and to push with his left thumb toward, toward the bucket. But he's, he actually gets it off just in time. Um, when he's shooting his best, he never has a huge arc, but he s- certainly has a more of an arc than he's had since he's been back from this injury. Um, He's not getting a lot of lift. He's never had a huge uh, jump on his shot. But he normally has a little bit of the... You guys remember the, the, the Booby Gibson? Booby jumped up a lot more than, than Kyrie does. But that kind of... You jump and rock your hips forward and land with your feet a little bit further forward than your hips. Um, and so, you know, Booby would always shoot and land inside of the three-point line quite a bit. And Kyrie had a little bit of that to his his shot, and he's not really having that rock anymore. So I think his whole rhythm is out, and the the ball is so ridiculously flat off of his hand. Uh, I, yeah, I've noticed the flat um, trajectory. Yeah, like the shot. The shot, I mean, is flat. Like the fact that it's coming right. off his hand the way it doesn't really bother me too much. Um, well, his release seems slower too. Like he's not getting those catch and shoot jumpers from the corner. Oh, like, Cam just fumbled. It's loose. He picks it up. Oh, oh man, man, don't tell me, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it later. Come on. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, nothing. Oh, wait, flag. They called it back. Well, there's more than one cam fumble in the game, so you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, Nate, I've seen, I've noticed that too. That he doesn't, he doesn't seem to have the confidence on the release. He's kind of well, thinking about it a lot. Yeah, and part of that is he's not moving well without the ball either to get to the corner. Like they ran a lot of action last year where Kyrie Irving would end up in the corner for open threes. Yeah. And they're not running that at all. Uh, he's usually shooting from the wing or the top of the key. Right. Uh, and a lot of it is in transition or secondary break. And 
or he's had a couple of huge shots at the end of games from like yeah he has yeah. thirty feet, uh, which have been great. But outside of that, uh, he's he's been pretty poor. And the funny thing is, his sixteen he's one of the best in the league right now at sixteen feet to half court or not. I'm sorry, right. sixteen feet. Feet two inside the three point. Line. Yeah, the Mo Williams special. The Mo Williams special, but he's not very good uh, from sixteen feet in. He's not very good at the mid range shot from sixteen feet in, which is a little odd. Although he did have a really nice night against uh, the Pelicans. Um, so yeah, his his shooting malaise is a little odd, and he just does not seem to. I don't know if he knows any plays. I've never seen a guy <laughs> that was so well-spoken and seemingly intelligent just be such a bad master of the offensive play playbook. I mean, he just, I mean, this is astounding because I almost had this same rant with my cousins. I, I yeah. said, I just don't understand Kyrie Irving. He, you know, you listen to him in interviews and he seems very insightful and thoughtful. He went to Duke. Yeah. Um, hey, no, he's no dummy by all accounts. But but I mean, he doesn't seem like he's evolved at all. No, it, as this a, year as seems a, like a definite regression. A, well, and it's not just on. It's not just you're talking about on offense. I'm trying to run an offense, which right. everyone agrees that the Cavs just don't have the same chemistry with him um, as they do with a guy like Delhi, and that he just he's he just freelances so much that the rest of the team doesn't doesn't know what spots they're supposed to fill in, you know, what he's going to do next. But here's the thing I don't understand. Kyrie Irving is one of the best players I've ever seen in my lifetime at uh, body control. I've never seen a guy that guys guarding him are bigger than him, faster than him, quicker, you know, stronger than him. But he has the quickness, the body control. He creates leverage. Like he almost never gets his shot blocked, which is incredible. Well, he to is me. one of the best guys at finishing with both hands on both sides of the basket. But that if, I've yeah, ever if, seen like oh, I've never absolutely. seen a guy that can finish. I think he's off the best either foot with either hand on either side of the basket. I would say he's the best I've ever seen at that. But more than that, even is the way he will drive into the body of a legit shot blocker. And use his body to create the space he needs to flip the shot up, and he right. never gets blocked. And, and, and I, I, I watch that, and then I say, how does a guy that has such incredible body control completely incapable of defending the pick and roll? Like how does how does he yeah. unable to anticipate a screen and like quickly duck under it, or, or unable, it or, yeah, yeah, or unable to? You know, David actually had a really good kind of a he did kind of a uh expose on Matthew Delavadova how he guards the pick and roll. He did it with videos, one of the best posts I've ever seen. I was really impressed with what David put together. And it's true. It's like Delhi anticipates screens better, he fights through them better, and then even if he does really legitimately get drilled on a pick, he will then almost grab the guy setting the pick yeah, and, and, the and, and ensure that the roller is out of the play, and then he'll box the roller out. And yeah. Kyrie, it's just, it's like I complained about flypaper defense four years ago, and I and he, sometimes and he, I wonder, like, has he has he gotten any better? I mean, why no. do I? Well, he was better at times last year, and then this year he's just been terrible again. 
I mean, he's, he's bad. Am I just reverted to every bad up? habit? Am I just making stuff up? Or I mean, what? No, what you're you not s- making anything up. I'm not talking to you. No, I, no. I, I know that you're going to agree with me on that one, Nate. Okay, fine. <laughs> no, I mean, there's clearly not making anything up about that. I mean, beyond just the ability to anticipate. All right, let's let's get something straight for people who don't quite understand. Delhi is an absolute basketball genius. He is not one of the uh, so-called genius. He's not a look at me, everybody, LeBron James. I, I am a basketball IQ genius type. Delhi is legitimately a basketball genius. He sees plays and understands how to execute a game plan as well as anybody I've ever seen. And he's not just limited to, to his mental aspect of the game. He is a physically talented player as well. So in comparing somebody like Kyrie to Delhi, it's almost a little bit unfair because we don't need to see Kyrie do 100% of what Delhi can do, even though that would be nice. I mean, but just at least kind of near there, I would like to see effort. If you watch a game with Delhi or with Russell Westbrook and then you watch Kyrie Irving play defense, they're two different sports. And Westbrook is not a defensive genius in terms of like how he does certain reading of plays. But that guy will just bust his tail at every single moment of the game. Unrelenting effort. Unrelenting, so yeah. I mean, he'll, he'll run through a brick wall. Yeah. yeah. And again, like I just made the caveat about Delhi. I mean, Westbrook is also a once-in-a-generation effort person. I mean, that's, not, that's also abnormally talented to have that kind of energy level. But Kyrie, when he's not primarily involved in an action, he does not get into a stance ever. On defense, he's not in a defensive stance unless he's directly on ball. The second he gets picked, he comes out of his stance, stands straight up, and jogs in a general direction. On offense, part of the reason why he walks the ball up is because he stands straight up and down. And the only time when he gets into these these moments of activity are, you know, those are the, the, the only times he actually gets down into a stance. He has his, his weight lower. I mean, he just doesn't get it. The energy that's required to play basketball for you know a professional living he doesn't understand and whether it's because he's had the talent his whole life and he has the greatest handle and greatest finishing ability and the the, this, the ability to put english on the ball that again i've ever seen like i agree like that the guy is a freak of talent but whatever that is he just had, hasn't understood the effort level and you know watching highlights of his rookie season and his play now he's not any better and if anything his rookie season, he had more of a tendency to go coast to coast. And when we talk about pace, I would love to see him do the old Lance Stevenson. You get a, if you get a rebound, Kyrie, go. Do not let anybody set up. Go. Do not hang around. So Right. Well, I think part of it is he is still playing scared. Uh, there okay. was some talk in the offseason where he said, you know, I'm not going to be going up into – three defenders anymore. I'm, I'm going to be trying to set up my teammates a little bit. And he's not going to the rack like he used to. Uh, and I think he's afraid of getting hurt. And that's why. Yeah, but these last three mid-range. games, we've seen him go against three people. Come on. I right, mean, right. Like no, 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 no. Uh, I'm just saying, and maybe that is a progression of where he has okay. to get back to where he needs to be. I'm not, I'm not saying I, this is what I've seen so far, but I, I agree with you. I've seen an improvement in the last three games. Um, but I think that that coast to coast thing is a little bit. Uh, he hasn't gotten back to where he needs to be, and I don't think he's in great basketball shape yet. Um, and I don't 
think that he's going to, uh, I, I still think it's a progression, but like you said, the defense is, is where it's the scariest. So sorry to interrupt you. No, that was really good. And here's the thought. Maybe you could tell me if I'm crazy, but, um, you know, I've played basketball my whole life. And um, even at times when I was somewhat uh, strong physically compared to my body weight, it takes a, 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 a kind of forearm and shoulder strength to shoot a basketball from far away. <clears throat> you know, when you watch like little kids, they kind of just chuck it from the hip because they don't have the right. strength in their forearms and wrists and shoulders to really have a, have a um, good mechanics. I remember when my dad coached me, it was like, there was years I wasn't even allowed to take threes, you know, up till about fifth or sixth grade. Cause it was just, I was going to get into bad habits. Right. And Ky- Kyrie used to just kind of step into those threes from six feet behind the line. Like, like, and it was actually a good shot. And now he do, he isn't doing that as much, and his shot does seem flatter from deep. Is it possible that maybe he wasn't shooting all the time while he was recovering? And he's not in, I don't want to say, like, game shape, but he's, like, his forearms aren't um, as, as, uh, as exercised as they would normally be. And so, because he's, he's doing great at mid-range, um, like you just said. Is it possible that he just sort of has... Uh, Jarrett Jack range right now, and that in a couple in a couple weeks, you know, Jarrett Jack. Well, part of that's every, your leg. He bricks every three, but he is money from six inches inside the line. Yeah, part um, of that's getting your legs into the shot, which he may not be fully. But Kyrie doesn't. The Kyrie's yeah, never. You, been I don't care jump. who you are. You have to get your legs into the shot, whether or not it it like that rocking your hips thing. Uh, ben yeah. was talking about that's not necessarily for elevation. You know, he's not elevating vertically, but he's moving his body forward, which is a leg and core and, you know, lower lower body motion. Uh, and it's it's not necessarily for elevation, but it's definitely putting momentum on the shot. Yeah, actually a lot of a lot of shooting coaches will will require a shooter to not try for as much elevation because a lot of times when people go for the elevation you get that Blake Griffin hold down the button too long shot. Yeah. And you're actually <laughs> Yeah, I you actually <laughs> you actually aren't getting any of the drive from your legs because you're you're not using that momentum. And when you when you lower your shot and release a little bit earlier in your in your upward momentum, then you're using all of that leg power. Um, actually, I mean that's the thing about Steph Curry that's so crazy is that he actually shoot the ball is out of his hand far before he reaches the apex of his shot or of, of his jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Kyrie has a little bit of that too. He doesn't jump as high, and he's not his. The ball's not out quite as early. But when when he's shooting well, it's definitely out earlier than one would think. If uh, you know, we're used to the the old Mark Price exactly textbook uh, yeah. top of the no, apex there a, release. There was a time when I, maybe this still. I, I thought Curry like uncovered a secret of shooting because I noticed that almost right away that he actually his release point is actually as he's still going up. And I've yep. never seen a guy do that. Um, and yeah, you're right. Mark Price had the textbook right at the apex, and all the best shooters seem to have that. And Curry was like, "Whoa, this guy's letting the button go a little early, and his momentum's still taking him up." And okay, so real quick, Ben, you know who else had the held the button down too long on his jumper? Former Cavalier with a really long URL named after him. <laughs> 
Larry Hughes. Wait, what? Shop, Larry Hughes. So many oh, yeah. Larry Hughes. <laughs> Do you remember that? Hughes used to hold it onto it, actually, yeah. and he would release it after he was already descending. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I'm confident. I know we've, we, we can get into, um, well, we can go one of two ways. This is choose your own adventure. Uh, my palate has been, uh, I, I'm ready to start talking about Delhi, but I can also start talking about Kyrie trade. <laughs> Okay, well, I want to I do a little bit more about Kyrie because the other thing that we have not talked about Kyrie Irving is he is more impossible than ever to play with in the pick and roll. And one of the things that kind of boggles my mind is that I feel like he hasn't been doing like – he had all this rehab. He doesn't seem to have the upper body and you know forearm strength that you talked about, Tom. And, you know, some guys, when they're hurt, they talk about taking mental reps of, you know, going through the plays, stepping through the practice mentally, going through the playbook. Um, I don't see that Kyrie Irving did that at all. I've ne- He doesn't seem to even understand the playbook. And he just kind of wanders into offense. Like, he'll just dribble around, see what develops. Oh, hey, here's a pick and roll. Oh, let me snake in front of my guy. Um, let me try and get to the rim. I don't really care about setting up my big man or yeah. using him as a decoy to get my shot the way Delhi does as a, the, the fact that Delhi can get layups with as, you know, kind of poor of a first step as he has and how bad of a finisher he can be at times. The yeah. fact that he is so dangerous with the lob pass and he uses that to set up his layup is, is like you said, a little bit basketball genius, Ben. If well, he's Kyrie, got he's got the hesitation dribble that is very right. underrated. His right, hesitation dribble left hand right hand is right. is well, absolutely astounding. That bounce dribble where he can go into the lob or into the pass or into another dribble. Yeah, it, yeah, he, he's well, he's bad. and you the nice thing that Kyrie Irving would copy some of that. It's like and just the most telling stat to me or quote to me was when Kyrie Irving said. We're talking about how if the ball moves more, we get more people involved, we play better as a team. And Kyrie Irving said, that may not help me. That may be great for the team, but that may not be necessarily great for me. And I was just shocked at how ignorant a statement that was for any basketball player. Uh, well, and, and yeah. And, and here's so you just talked about you wish you would copy the stuff that Delhi does. Uh, Mo Williams has seen a little more action lately. And uh, it's been a mixed bag, but I have noticed that when Mo is in, I would I would argue that maybe about once every four possessions, about twenty five percent of the possessions where Mo Williams has the ball and he's on the he's dribbling left, they try to run the Kraken. He he tries to turn the corner and go baseline, and you see LeBron setting up. And, it, you know, sometimes the, the play gets broken up because um, someone puts a hip on LeBron or there's a foul beforehand or Mo gets shoved out of bounds or something. But you can see they're trying it. I have yeah. not I have not once in two years seen um, Kyrie run the Kraken. Now, you cannot tell me that Kyrie cannot get baseline. Kyrie can get anywhere on the court he wants to. And. He's 10 times the finisher that Mo Williams is. So if Kyrie was to go baseline, teams would legitimately need to send an extra help defender or else that's a bucket. Right. How, how have but, I not seen that? Like how, how When was the last time you guys saw Kyrie go actually in a straight line and use hesitation 
but in a straight line versus oh, crossing no. somebody yeah. over. Like you said, That's he's not issue. a downhill. He's not a downhill yeah. player. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And going baseline or running the Kraken requires going toward the hoop with like the idea of I'm yeah, going to the like hoop. It's like a decisive action. Like here's yeah. where I'm going, not here's who's guarding me. Uh, let me figure out which ankle, which one of his ankles I can break first. Yeah. Before he has I... to give himself up. He can't. He hasn't gotten this idea yet of giving himself up. In the same way that the first man on a break, the big man has to run through the middle, and even if he doesn't get the the ball, right. like you have to clear out the middle. Like that's just what you got to do. Right. And a lot of times, if you run a good side pick and roll, or even just a, a top pick and roll, and the first roller goes through the middle hard or the guy dribbling goes through the middle hard and then you have that trailer coming and LeBron is good at trailing if people are going toward the hoop but he just doesn't do it the guy doesn't do it and so I I don't know I can't imagine Lou doesn't see that or doesn't want him to go or Drew or all of these great basketball players yeah I'm sure they (laughs) well you know but Larry let's be honest I mean Larry Drew's on that on that bench Boylan's on that bench those guys know what they're doing I don't think Lou's an idiot either. I mean, whether I think he's I, I a good head coach or not is yeah, a different that's a story. Conversation but for later in the podcast. I don't think he's an idiot either, but I think sometimes great assistants do not make great head coaches. Yeah, I think he's a great big brother. But I mean, I guess the point is that somebody on that in that locker room has got to be telling Kyrie, "Hey, go to the hole," but maybe could you go to the hole in a straight line? Like somebody, I would hope. Because if nobody's telling them that, then the, the organization needs more of a shakeup because this is not a difficult task. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, maybe, yeah, that's commentary. <laughs> that's my dad watching the game. <laughs> you can say, say hi to the masses, Dad. Hey, guys. Cavs the vlog celebrity cameo oh, appearance. <laughs> Taught me everything I knows. <laughs> Dozens of people are uh, are, are now – Fans of Mr. Pestak. Yep, yep. We got so, dozens. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we get, we get, we get hundreds of unique listens, don't we? I think it's just to, uh, you and to I pull clicking up. the button over and over. <laughs> I don't think just it works because I I think it recognizes my IP and does not add a number to that. But um, <laughs> anyway, that's what we're going to go with. But so, so all of that said about Kyrie, I, I think two things. One, I think that. You know, Kyrie is still very young. He can change his stripes. He's only twenty three. Yeah, he or twenty four. He can. He's twenty three. He, there yeah, there can be a there can be a Tony Parker esque uh, learning curve. Uh, where a Conley esque learning curve. Yeah, but I think for right now, um, the antidote might be to play Kyrie at the two and have Delhi run the point in crunch time lineups. Have Delhi set up the offense, take the high pick and roll from Tristan or from Kevin Love or from LeBron, have Kyrie on the weak side, and then basically just tell him, look, if you get the ball, just score. Just score. Or dump it off to a guy that's wide open for a dunk. Instead of taking the ball and having him waste so much energy um, at the top of the key trying to you know, create a favorable mismatch or whatever he's, he's trying to do. I think that is a good short-term solution with the long-term solution being him just learning the playbook and figuring out how to build up chemistry with his big men. Um, so, you know, we, we've, we've had a lot of negatives to say, obviously. And Kyrie Irving's been playing, honestly, like crap lately. Um, so, I mean, Brian Windhorst said as much in his uh, Hey Windy that he's just having a bad season. And I, much like 
Windhorst, I think Kyrie is not going to shoot 25% or whatever from three um, for much longer. I think that'll come around. So I still think after Steph Curry, he's the second most talented guard in the NBA. So it's a, you know, it'll be a shame. Offensive guard. Yes. So it'll be a shame if that can't, um, you know, if the Cavs can't become more than some of their parts, because you look at the way on offense, the rest of that Golden State team just becomes like the dream team due to the way Curry plays and his unique skill set. And I think Kyrie has a similar skill set, but he does not play that way. You know, um, where Curry is, Curry, like you guys were saying, Curry, there isn't a more downhill player in the league. Like there's not a more um, decisive NBA player that I've ever seen. Like you never wonder what he's going to do. It's like, oh, we know he's shooting. There's that shred of daylight or, oh, they closed that too hard. We know he's going to the rack. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't waste energy. You know what I mean? And and he's got a team around him built to perfectly complement that because if he's the NBA's quick and quickest decision maker, then Draymond Green's the second most, I mean, second most quick decision maker. But really why, why couldn't LeBron play like Draymond Green, Kyrie play like Steph Curry, uh, Kevin Love play like Clay Thompson and the rest of the guys fill in. I mean, on paper to me, I don't see that much of a difference, but it's, the product on the guys. the product on the court is just so different. You have a thing that both. Uh, all right, so we talk a little bit about Tony Parker developing later, Mike Conley, but like Parker especially, is Popovich made a point to bench the kid every single time that he held the ball at all. Parker was required by Popovich all the time. You catch the ball, you go into an action immediately. You do not hold the ball. You do not analyze the surroundings. Forget the triple threat forever. You catch the ball, you move. And that's that's the the, the way that that flow offense works. And the the aspect with the, you know, why can't Kyrie and and LeBron play like Green and Curry, those guys don't hold the ball and and check. And so especially when they blitz Curry on that pick and roll and you get Green in that four-on-three situation, Green goes immediately. Green has a really, really great left-hand drive. Um, and the way that he uses his body, he's preparing his momentum on the catch to attack immediately. And I honestly just don't think it's in the DNA of either LeBron or Kyrie to catch the ball and go. Their natural tendency well, is to catch LeBron the ball. LeBron has that. No, LeBron has that. He absolutely has that. But, in the open floor, I can see it. But in the half well, court, how often? That, but when he's playing off the ball with Delhi, he has that ability. Like okay. He's so much better off the ball when Delhi's on the court than he is maybe any time I've ever seen him in his career. Like He's such a better finisher and a more decisive finisher that it, it, it's really impressive. And you saw a little bit of that. In the Timberwolves game, the Timberwolves game, the ball moved. It was being fired around like crazy. Um, you saw it in the Spurs game a little bit. Uh, they, they did revert back a little in the Spurs game. But uh, the, the ball, you know, they had that four-game stretch before the Pacers game where they really put the onus on moving the ball quickly, making quick decisions uh, to, to varying degrees of success. But they, they did it, for the most part, very well. And then the Pacers game, they reverted. The Hornets game, 
they really reverted in the Celtics game. Slight improvement, but just a ton of mental mistakes. And then the Pelicans game, I don't put a lot of stock in just because the Pelicans are so bad. Uh, but, you know, we saw it for a few games and then they went away from it. It's like they and part of it is this I got to get mine mentality. You know, I got to see, OK, when can I hit my scoring nut? And I feel like LeBron and Kyrie just have that built into them. And it is it's what Corey Huey called the LeBron tax. Uh, it's just LeBron has these hidden agendas in everything he does on the floor. And when he's out thinking himself, he just, like you said, when he's being indecisive and surveying everything before he goes, he outthinks himself so often. And part of that is the three point shooting, which is just mind numbingly annoying that he was over 18 and he finally made one. So he immediately had to shoot another one. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, just take what the offense gives you. You know, it's not that hard. And, and, you know, for most guys, you would say they went two for five in a game. And it was like, that's a, that's a decent night for LeBron on a night when he'd missed 18 previous, he couldn't be just satisfied with the one he had to take, you know, four more. It just kind of drives me nuts. A night after he's saying, well, the three-point shot isn't a part of my game, yet he's taking over to a game. It's like he doesn't seem to have the self-awareness or the desire to look at himself in the mirror and say, okay, what can I do differently that that I'm not doing now? I mean, in, in this yeah. stretch, when he's shooting one, 10% on threes in the last five games – He's taking four a game. It's insane. Yeah. Well, and, and I think yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I think he needs to come. He needs to just watch, you know, look in the mirror. He needs to watch game film because he's not as quick or as explosive as he once was. He's still fast when he gets ahead of steam. Right. And he's, and still, he's still one of the strongest powerful. players. Yeah. So him with a full head of steam from the three point line running a play like the Kraken might still be one of the most unstoppable plays in the league. Him holding the ball near the elbow oh, and then backing up and facing up and trying to get by his guy while everyone stands around, it wasn't great in 2007. It worked well enough in 2009 when the Cavs were surrounded with three-point shooters. It's not working right now. And, right. yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I just wish someone could just say to him, like, I mean, we, I think I saw this in the comment section. Someone brought up uh, the Norman Dale um, four pass rule. Like, you know, that's a great. That was um, me, actually, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that part of the movie because it's just, that's a very simple thing. Like, imagine if you went to work and your boss was trying to critique you and was like, you know what? We're just going to try to start building good habits. Today, I want you to answer the phone at least four times this way. And just like this, I'm going to make this stupid easy for you. Just do it. Just do it. Like why hasn't anyone at any point said to LeBron, you know what? I'm gonna make it easy for you. This is an 82 game season. You've played a million games in your career. Try to play this entire game off the ball. Just try it. Like, how has that never happened? How are we right. or on the back? Don't nine, take any LeBron's career. Game. Yeah, how are we out? Yeah, well, well, he, he tried, he tried he that with Miami. He did that with Miami in the beginning of the 2012-13 season, I think, or maybe 11-12 season. 
and and he and Wade both just stopped in the first month. They took maybe between the two of them ten, and they dominated, and it was wonderful. And Wade still has Wade has totally taken the three out of his game, and LeBron somehow hasn't. Uh, the thing that just needs to be completely stricken from the diet is searching for a mismatch off of a screen and roll and then having LeBron, you know, back out against the big man or whoever, whoever ends up guarding him. Yeah. You know, that's just not an advantage. Like you, we, and you know, anybody who watches LeBron knows when he's going to take a three. Right. The other thing that drives me nuts is the Kyrie LeBron screen and roll where LeBron doesn't even roll. Like the whole back end of the bed defense is open. Like, if he just cut hard, he'd have a layup. But he doesn't do that. He just sits there, hopes for the switch, and then, oh, I'm going to get a switch. I'm going to get a smaller man on me. Now I can go to work in the post. But, like, how oh, does uh, he now not I can just – take my jump shot. <laughs> well, how does he not just cut? Like, he has a wide-open layup. He's either going to get fouled, get a a situation with guys crashing on him and get an easy pass, or um, – or he's going to get a layup, but he just doesn't do that. It's like not in his nature. I don't understand it. And Lou, I mean, God love him, but if the accountability has gone down since he took over, and of course this whole is. thing that drives me, it, it it's insane that now the excuse is they haven't had any practices. You don't need. How can we as amateurs and not NBA guys be able to watch all this stuff? And we haven't had practices, and somebody can't say, LeBron, start rolling to the freaking hoop. You know, stop just standing there. Start rolling to the hoop. And yet, or Lou, just bench some guys. But they don't do that. They have no power. So the the coach has less power than he did under Blatt. It's, it's mind-numbing. So, so just dysfunctional wanna, this organization is right I want to break up this. Um, Sorry. I, this, I went on no, these, these are epic rants, but I just want to point out um, – LeBron's stats with and without Delhi, because I agree that I what I found is LeBron does play off the ball more with Delhi, and Delhi has gotten he's one of the areas he's improved his game the most this season is on making passes with his left hand yeah. and from different angles. Whereas in the past, good defensive teams would try to uh, shield Delhi to go left, and they would try to do things to get him out of his comfort zone. He has become so much more fundamentally sound at creating passes, and it hasn't. He's trying riskier passes than he ever has, and yet his assist to turnover ratio is an all time high. And I've seen lots of times where LeBron actually cuts across the lane as Delhi is, um, you know, working around the perimeter, and he will hit him with a pass on the go right in the pocket. And LeBron has actually, he's finished with his left hand as good as I've ever seen in his career. Oh, yeah. yeah. I've noticed those little C curls that Delhi's is the only one I ever see where LeBron gets that and where LeBron does that action. So I think that does kind of corroborate, um, you know, what you just brought up, Nate. So uh, it's kind of, this is really interesting because uh, LeBron has played 940 minutes with Delhi on the bench and 820 minutes with Delhi on the court. So we have a nice sample size. He shoots... Um, 48% with Delhi on the bench. He shoots 52% with Delhi on the court. So he shoots a higher percentage. He takes about 50% more, or he makes about 50% more field goals per 48 minutes. He takes more shots per 48 minutes. 
His three-point shooting somehow gets worse from 27% to 25%. His free throws skyrocket from about 7.5 per 48 minutes to 11.5 per 48 minutes. And I think that's exactly what I was just talking about where he's getting those really favorable um, passes where he's cutting across the lane and teams have no recourse but to foul. And it's so also the baseline, the baseline pin where he comes from, from the weak side baseline and pins right underneath the hoop and Delhi times the entry pass. Really oh yeah. Well. Where, and they yeah. Where he steals. For him to get yeah. It. yeah. Yeah. And so his Almost points, like the old uh, Utah play. Yeah. His points per 48 minutes with Delhi on the bench are 28.1 points per 48 minutes. His points per 48 minutes with Delhi on the court are 40. Wow. So he so, jumps so like run he jumps the same 12. Run the well, same and then numbers, plus minus. Um, Listen to the plus minus. Okay, his well, one plus, second. So after this, do the Kyrie numbers because I want to hear those too. Okay. Because there's well, a certain other website that always talks about how much better LeBron plays with Kyrie, and I want to want to hear how it compares. So his <laughs> raw plus minus, or the Cavs' raw plus minus, with LeBron on the court, no Delhi, is 4.5. Per 48 minutes, which is that's like a 50 win team, um, maybe his the Cavs plus minus with both LeBron and Delhi sharing the court is 15.5, which is like Warriors territory, right? So yeah, that totally um, goes along with what you were saying about when you get LeBron off ball, his field goal percentage goes up. It's not doing much for his three-point percentage, and why should it? Because he's just not a good three-point shooter. But So you really need to put him in more favorable positions where what he's are, cutting. What are his attempts like? They go up from 22 per 48 minutes to 28. He's but taking more. He's making attempts? More. They're the same, five. Five per game. Five per four. <laughs> Why is he taking five threes a game? It's like you're literally <laughs> throwing away four possessions a game. <laughs> you're yeah. just throwing him in the trash. So LeBron actually, um, so he's got 1,200 minutes with Kyrie not there, 550 with Kyrie there. His field goal percentage is the same, but he takes a lot less shots. He goes from taking... 27 shots per 48 down to 20. I'm just, I'm not going to say per 48 anymore. Everyone knows that's, that's what we're, com- that's the uh, other side of the slash here. Um, so he goes from 27 to 20. His field goal percentage is identical. His three point percentage bumps up a tiny bit. His free throw percentage drops from 10 to 7, which kind of makes Kyrie's sense. Fault. That's the worst hand, f- uh, worst hand five or whatever in between first and second shots. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. His assist, his assist go Edit. up <laughs> with Kyrie on the court. <laughs> Just so um, you know, uh, audience, uh, Ben it's, uh, it's opened, a production, opened a production today in Europe and had the you know typical opening night after party and now has stayed up late to podcast with us, which showed you, you know, what, what a, a trooper uh, Ben is, but also uh, kind of explains his... His, his babblings at times, his Larry King impersonation. It's 437. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm impressed. The, the Cavs plus minus with LeBron, no Kyrie, is 10, and with both is 8. So they're not getting a bump. In fact, they're actually playing worse. And you heard the ones before where LeBron, no Delhi is like 4.5. LeBron with Delhi is 15.5. So 
So I mean, what none was of the us plus minus with Kyrie? Eight point five, and uh, which isn't bad, but it's no, not. It's not, bad. it's not Delhi territory. But there, but you would you would hope that these guys together would have a multiplicative effect, um, and 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 right now it's not, and that kind of goes along with the eye test, which just you says think that LeBron just hates playing with Kyrie. But he certainly doesn't trust him. I mean, he'll give the ball to to Delhi to run a pick and roll and go off ball, but. Of this, I mean, this last game against the Pelicans, Kyrie did not run point very often at all. I mean, LeBron was running point again like he took yeah. over last season. Yeah, well, and that, that points to another problem that I've seen on the Cavs. When Delhi's hurt or, or Kyrie's hurt, the Cavs need another ball handler because Mo Williams is frankly worthless at this point. Um, because you talked about the 25% of the time they he runs the Kraken. Well, the other two. 75% of the time, he just comes up and jacks up a pull-up. And well, his offense, his offense is not the problem, though, Nate. <laughs> well, no, no, no. And, and what I'm saying is that level of offense combined with being one of the two or three worst defensive players in the league is the problem. I mean, you could live with that if he was just an offensive – if he was Steve I, Nash on offense, you could live with it. You one know? of my favorite moments from your last podcast was when – Ben pulled the Barack Obama and was like, let me be clear. <laughs> uh, Damian Lillard is the worst defensive player. No, I, I would put who's worse, Damian Lillard, Mo Williams, or Kyrie Irving. Or uh, and Jamal Crawford. Ben, go. Okay. Are we talking about in their prime or right in this right moment? Right now. Right now. Right this moment, Jamal Crawford, but Jamal Crawford is still amazingly somehow effective on offense, but whatever. So Crawford, I think probably probably by the numbers, it's it's I would go Mo, Crawford, Lillard, Kyrie, okay, and from from worst to best, all being horrible. Yeah. Wow, JJ Hickson didn't make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> or or well, and we all know the league's worst big man. Yeah, he's gotten better this year. Cantor no, is no. actually. And it's Cantor, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Cantor's gone from, from <laughs> you know, just hilariously, what are you doing, to, wow, that guy's really bad. Yeah. All right. But now the other the guys, they, guys, hide him, they hide him on spot-up shooters. <laughs> Assuming Coles yeah. hasn't set himself on fire yet, <laughs> we need to talk about something positive. Well, um, there is – so there is a, what, there what, is I a, what I was getting to is can LeBron play with Kyrie Irving because – when LeBron plays with Kyrie, we get this no defense, no box out, you know, regular season LeBron. We all assume at some point he can turn it on in the playoffs. Yet the I want I one of my projects for this week is to make a LeBron terrible box out, terrible defense highlight reel <laughs> uh, going into the All Star break because it has been just egregious these last three games, three or four games. But you know, and this is what Corey talks about the LeBron tags. Are we going to be paying the LeBron tax with Kyrie Irving? And can the Cavaliers survive the LeBron tax? Tom, go. <laughs> you know, I think if the Cavs don't get it done this year, I think they're going to have a uh, – they're going to have to do some soul-searching. And I think it will maybe be similar to the soul-searching LeBron and Wade did together with Rich Paul after they lost to the Mavericks. and. Um, you know, they need something to kind of, I mean, just, re- they need to hit rock bottom with the ISO stuff. 
I, I don't know what they you know. need. They need it. They don't deal well with success, so they need more adversity. <laughs> so. I mean, it sounds crazy to say that, but I, I, I do I believe that. I kind of feel like it's it's true. I mean, you got to remember at the beginning of the season when the Cavs were eight and two or nine and one or whatever they were, and the Warriors were ten and zero. I mean, LeBron was legitimately talking about the Warriors almost on a daily basis because he felt like the Cavs were right there. That that was his that was his mindset. His play now is just the malaise. Like we can't ever beat them. It could be. I don't know why I'm trying. I mean, it could be, but um, you know, I think the Cavs just last year expectations got so low, everyone panicked. They shook things up. And they, oh, David Blatt shortened the rotation, and they became a juggernaut. I, I don't know what needs to happen this year um, for them to recognize that they have all the talent they need. They have size. They have talent. They have athleticism. They're not that old. They've got shooters. It's just, yeah, there's a there's a malaise. And, and I think Winhorst said it best. I, I mean, I've been saying this for months, so I'm going to credit myself instead of Brian Winhorst. But when... When things get tight and when defenses start to adjust or start to get more physical, they stop trusting each other. They stop trusting, you know, Kevin Love missed, yeah, Kevin Love will miss one shot in the post and he won't see the ball the rest of the game. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, Kyrie Irving will be at the top of the key. He'll put on some dribbling foray. It'll be amazing. It'll create vines all over the world. He'll make the layup and it's like, okay. Consider that like a heat check, you know what I mean? But then the next five plays, he tries it again. Oh, God. How about LeBron's heat check three last night? I just wanted to beat myself in the head with my phone. We've done enough. enough. I think that that, um, there's two things to think about here. One, that this team is not meeting expectations because their chemistry is so bad. It's not that they're not meeting expectations because they don't have enough talent, they don't have enough depth, or any of those other things. So in my opinion, it's at least somewhat fixable. It's not like, well, what are you going to do? I mean, all you can do is put Mo Williams out there because that's all you got. I mean, they, they can do things. Um, on, you know, for, And we've seen it. We see it in first quarters. We see it in first halves. They're jumping on teams. They're playing um, – you know, relentless offense and Kevin Love looks like a different player. So it's not like we haven't seen signs of it. It's just they can't do it for 48 minutes. I mean, early in the season, they did it in the second halves. You know, they would play these terrible first halves and then just blitz these teams in the second half. And now we've got the third quarter malaise. Um, and there, there's some of the things I feel like the Cavs can do to counter this. Play one, better defense. Play Get better the rebounds. Defense. Well, one is, like you said, Delhi. Uh, two is Anderson Varejao, who seems to be one of those guys on the team that everyone trusts. And also, one of the things he does is he sets such awesome screens that it's all, it, it creates so much space for LeBron and Kyrie and anyone he sets a screen on that it almost just adds to the half-court pace. Like, Kyrie's so open that, okay, I got to shoot. I got to do something. I got to shoot or drive. And LeBron is kind of the same way. He got two wide open layups off just fantastic, not layups, dunks off fantastic Anderson Vergeau screens last night. Uh, that one, one was on Alonzo G, who just, just <laughs> got stuck like Kyrie, only worse to a screen. And, and Anderson Vergeau, hopefully we will see more after the All Star break. 
I really think they were trying to protect him and not play him very much before the All-Star break, and hopefully afterwards that'll happen. I hope um, that I hope so too because because I I have not seen anything but great stuff when he's been on the floor. Yeah, he individually doesn't look you know nearly as good as he looked two three years ago, but he's like third on the Cavs and plus minus. Like they're not missing a beat at all when he comes in. But so the even other if, thing is he's so smart on offense. As long as he doesn't force that that backdoor pass, he's a fantastic passer. He sets great screens. He's just good enough as a shooter. You got to honor him at the elbow. Everybody loves him, and he's a fantastic rebounder. And his defense has actually been legit okay. Like he's had, he's played decent defense, and he gets under guys' skins, gets them out of their game. You know that defense that he played at the beginning of last year when the whole team was a mess, and everybody was like, "Oh, Andy's done." I haven't yeah. seen any of that this year. Yeah, that was that was a premature conclusion, right? Based that on people drew from that from a small small sample size. Yes, yes. Andy. And so, chill mode, LeBron, and and you just brought up a great point. You just said the Cavs, and he, he that Verjao rebounds well. Um, the Cavs rebounding numbers are are the best when Verjao is on the court, more than any other player, more than He's Tristan, still a fantastic rebounder, more than Tristan, um, more than. Uh, Kevin Love more than Shumpert, who you know makes the team a good rebounder because he's so athletic and he boxes people out too. It's Andy Verja. The Cavs rebound at the highest clip that they do as a team when he's on the court, and he's been on the court for almost three hundred minutes. It's not like we've only seen him for like eighty minutes. Like he's right. almost got three hundred minutes under his belt. A the Cavs are five hours. The Cavs are plus eight point three with him on the court, which is actually. Fourth on the team. First is Delhi with eleven. They're 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 eleven points per game better um, than opponents with Delhi on the court. Second is LeBron nine point seven. Third is Kevin Love eight point seven. Actually, fourth is Kyrie at eight point six, and fifth is Anderson Verja at eight point three. So I I, I hope Sounds that like you're a nice right. Starting lineup. It, it does, does sound like a nice starting lineup. I hope you're right that the Cavs have just been saving him. And this is not because I also heard, you know, Windhurst was talking that they've been shopping Andy. So, I mean, if you get something good for him, okay, but I hope they're not refraining from playing. What can they get that is an improvement? That's what I don't understand. Well, that's a good segue. Let's talk about trades because Ben, I know you got a lot of uh, trades. Nate is the trade machine uh, addict. (laughs) I was going to say fanatic, but I'm going to go with addict. I think that's a more appropriate adjective so um doesn't sound like the Cavs can do a whole lot but it oh, certainly sounds like they can do active. a lot it's what they're willing to do that is the question well what can they do because most of their players are untradeable um they I, Kyrie don't have... Irving is not untradeable whoa all right let's start there that well, was <laughs> most of my trade proposals this week were Kyrie Irving Okay, so well, let's, of, let, let's, let's hear some of these trade proposals so one of my trades was Kyrie Irving to the Lakers the Lakers give up Julius Randle and uh, D'Angelo Russell to the Portland Trailblazers, and the Cavs get C.J. McCollum. And that's a trade that I think the Lakers would do in a heartbeat. Uh, I, if I'm Portland, I don't do that trade, but it, it, you're getting two young players for one young player. So wait, you want to trade? You you want effectively 
to trade Kyrie Irving for CJ McCollum. Ben, what do you think of that trade? I think that's bad. All right. That's crazy. I think that's crazy. We have to be clear with all this. Here's the thing. This is the trade that gives a chance for the Cavs to win this year. I don't think the Cavs can win in the next three years with Kyrie starting at point guard because he is so bad on defense. I mean, I don't know that C.J. McCollum is good on defense. He's much better than C.J. McCollum's fine on defense. He's fine on defense. He's not great, but he's fine. Uh, so, yeah, so pragmatically speaking, are we discussing what the ideal trade return is or whether it makes the Cavs better knowing full well that LeBron James has his warts and his otherworldly talents and how do we construct a team around a guy that has his skill set, both positive and negative? And Kyrie and Love, to me, do not, like, you know, this is not news in terms of, you know, especially Love with the power forward issue. Those guys do not maximize LeBron's skills, especially because we know perfectly well LeBron is not going to stop being who he is and function in some different way that we would all dream him to function. He's not going to do it. So pragmatically speaking, Regardless of whether McCollum is a much worse player or better player or whatever than Irving, the question is, does he make the Cavs better with LeBron? And with that defensive conversation and contractually going forward, you know, I don't hate the trade, to be perfectly honest, mostly because McCollum, he's got a little bit of the same. um, Oh, oh, and along with that trade, the Cavs get Lou Williams. Well, I don't know about him, but well, they need sweet another, Lou. <laughs> they need another ball handler, and they need a match score. So there it's you go. Like, but J- it's like J.R. Smith, only even somehow more, di- more of a dynamic range between his good games and his bad games. Well, he's a more, he's a more Smithian J.R. Smith, <laughs> and he doesn't have the size Sorry, though. That J- I, I did the does. trade, and then I threw in the, you know, the. Well, here's the. Kick. All right, forget Coles. I'm gonna light myself on fire. You just <laughs> traded away Kyrie Irving. For CJ McCollum, I mean, he's a nice player, but he's a twenty-one point per game scorer. But they're the uh, same. He shoots forty percent. He shoots eighty percent from three. I mean, Kyrie uh, does all that too. He doesn't. He does. 40% all right. He's a much better defender defense. than Irving. And he see, goes I, I, straight I have not seen him enough to comment. He's a on good that. player. Here's here's what if I'm Portland, I'm trading Lillard as quickly as possible and letting but McCollum yeah, run. But Portland's never trading Lillard. They're not well, doing it because who owns a team? Larry Allen. Larry Allen is a very smart guy. You mean thinks Paul he, Allen? Well, him too. Paul Allen <laughs> is a very smart guy. Larry and David? Best. No. <laughs> Bernie Sanders? Uh, who thinks he's a Hakeem, Hakeem Elijahwan's Blazers. <laughs> Hakeem, shut up. <laughs> I'm not good with names. <laughs> I have name aphasia. <laughs> so anyway, that, that was one of my trades. So... The next trade that I think Ben would be more on board with is uh, Kyrie Irving for uh, Mike Conley. Okay. Uh, we're, we're getting warmer, but okay, let's hear this and, one out. Well, and my, the, the big what if with that is Mike Conley is a free agent at the end of the year. So it's a huge gamble that, A, the Cavs are not going to be able to re-sign Mike yeah, Conley. You, would ne- you should never do that. that well, that's that's a throw all your chips in the in the middle of the table for this year. Okay, so let's limit it to play style and not contract stuff. Okay. So why would Mike Conley be an upgrade? Well, Mike Conley, excellent defender. Yes, that's true. 
uh, a guy who does not have to score 20 plus points to be happy. You know what I mean? He, he, he just doesn't have to be, he's not, he, Mike Conley seems satisfied with scoring eight points as long as his team wins. You know, he, he can have an eight point nine assist game. Uh, he's an excellent passer. But don't we already have a player like that? A one Matthew Delavadova? Yeah, but he can't play 48 minutes. Right. But it, I mean, I, I agree that in terms of certain aspects of fit, better defender, better pure playmaking point guard. Uh, he's a more heady player. He's, he's a very decisive player he's in pick and rolls and things like that. But Kyrie's ceiling is way higher than Mike Conley in my opinion. I'm not but sure we're not talking is. about ceilings, though. We're talking about like winning stuff. a championship. Winning a championship this years. season or next season. Yeah. Okay, um, that's fair. I that mean, being the said, Cavs, I, I'm Cavs... actually... Go ahead, Ben. No, I'm I'm less on Conley right now than I would even be on McCollum. Not because yeah. Conley worries me. I, he's had a rough season. He has. He's not shooting very well. He's not shooting very well. His his explosion's a little bit uh, lacking, and his defensive intensity has not been as good. And since he's such a, a quick, smaller player, he doesn't have great size. Yeah, he's only six uh, one. Yeah, and and you know McCollum's not huge either, but he's got he's a little thicker. Um, I mean, I'm just. Comparing the two, if I'm going to get somebody who's six one or six two, I want like a real incredible defensive player. And I don't know if you guys are moving on. I, I want to do pull something with the Rockets. Okay, let's hear it. You want Patrick so, Beverly? <laughs> I want Patrick Beverly and Trevor Ariza. I for, actually for like. All right, t- sweet, for Kevin, sweet, for Kevin sweet, Love, sweet nothings into my ear, man. Oh. Can you do it in an opera voice? Because I actually, I actually like the sound of this trade. Oh, now this is the trade that makes me sick. What? Why? Because you want you don't, don't want to like get rid of Kevin. I like Kevin. I actually would disagree with you that he's a terrible compliment to LeBron. Oh wait, 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 wait! Oh no, no, no! Wait, I don't. Wait, 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 wait! Hold up. Okay. We're, we're also throwing. I thought this is just Kyrie for both of them. No, yes. no, no. We're, we're all over the map. Oh here. no, blue. Oh well, talk man, a little bit about talk this. about just cold because... water. <laughs> the Rockets. Here's the deal. Unless it's a three way, I was trying to figure out. No, no, ways. no, I'm not having a three way with this trade. It's this almost five terrible. o'clock in the morning. You should be having a three way here. So <laughs> the there's got to be some way to pull off. I am not the master of the trade machine that somebody on this podcast is, but I was trying to figure out a way to get Kyrie to the Lakers to get Kevin or Kevin or or Kyrie to the Lakers because I don't think the Rockets are going to want Kyrie Irving with the Harden situation. It doesn't really help them. But getting getting Beverly and Ariza, uh, McDaniel's and also uh, um, Monte Yunus for Kevin Love worked. That and is an interesting trade. Kevin that's a to give up some guys, but it's a big haul. But those guys all do what Kevin does and better in a lot of respects. Basically, the the biggest issue that I have with Kevin is not that I don't like what Kevin's doing, and I think he's played really quite well. And and defensively, his rotations have been so much better this season. Regardless of, I mean, there, there's a reason why he's rated pretty well defensively in all the the real yeah. plus minus. Yeah, don't believe really um, the vines for sure when it comes yeah. to love defense. Yeah, but the thing about with you know this this back to the pragmatic approach of of LeBron and how do you win a championship with LeBron is that you have to s- supply him with a defender who can go back and forth between the three and the four 
depending on the matchup. A lot of people want to talk as though LeBron played the four in Miami, and he didn't. He never played the four in Miami. It's a myth. Shane Battier played the four. Yeah. And if you don't have a guy who's big enough and and skilled enough at going back and forth between that four, three defense, uh, sound like I'm covering football right now, um, like Shane Battier or like Trevor Ariza, you're not going to be able to to win with LeBron in that way. And especially the way that the league is now, there's even more of those guys. And if you put LeBron next to another 6'8 guy who can go back and forth depending on matchups, then you got a shot. Um, and, and then and next Ariza's to... is a solid enough three-point sh- shooter that you he's not a liability on defense. Or yeah. On offense. Uh, no, I mean, he's he's... You know, he's not the, the number one guy that he got one that, you know, a few years back when he signed that big contract. But he's he's a legitimately talented offensive player used properly. Yeah. Um, plus, LeBron could send him a text, say, hey, yo, this is King James. Remember that? Yeah. Or a text, he text he sent to Ariza in 2010. <laughs> yeah. Like in Ariza, so, like, are you coming back the year next year? Well, um, no. OK. <laughs> so does P.J. Tucker fit that bill? No. Or... Or um, he's just not good enough. Yeah, Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris is. I don't, I don't want anything to do with him. He's had such a bad season too. Yeah, I know. I feel like it's. I feel like it's not really indicative of. Now the other trade that I looked at was basically moving Mozgov and a lot of parts for, and possibly Tristan Thompson, uh, for. Oh, what's his name from the Suns? Uh, Tyson Chandler. Oh God, I just don't think it's not I, 2009. I, I, well, I, I, hey, I'm fine. Hey, with he that had a that great year. he had a great season last year. He did, and he's not having a great season this year. But that but, whole uh, Suns team, that whole team is a mess. Do you yeah, know I, who has? Do you have good seasons? Guys who play for Rick Carlisle with Dirk Nowitzki next to him. Oh well, yeah, exactly. yeah. I mean that's you can play center with the, that team. I mean, <laughs> that so was well Tom lovely. the other day hated my idea of trading for Dwight Howard. Uh, I didn't even hear that idea, but yes, I do hate that idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god, dude, that'd be like Andrew Bynum Redux. He'd <laughs> he'd start shooting from half court in practice, and the guys I had so much hope him. for Bynum. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing that the thing that blew my mind about Bynum was if you would have told me when the Cavs gave him that interesting two-year offer that was like he could have possibly made $24 million or like three or whatever, how, you know, depending on how it worked out, and that he rehabbed all the way back to where he was in the opening. Like if you would have told me, that, that to me was a minor miracle. Right. The fact that he, it, it, it was like someone surviving some horrific disease and then like on the way home from the hospital getting hit by an asteroid. It was like, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. Like you actually, like Andrew Bynum, not only can he walk, he was hit by a dumb asteroid. <laughs> <laughs> not only can he like walk again, but he's actually on the court <laughs> of opening game. I mean, that the easy part to me seemed like him staying on the court, not being an idiot, enjoying being a multimillionaire and he just he just didn't like I mean do you remember they were close that he just didn't like playing and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. it's like yeah. oh my goodness that was that was strange he but is, um, he is a strange person part of the season of huh which 
Um, over All Star Weekend, Nate, assuming we get the uh, site changes done, I'm going to um, put up my season of Ha yeah. chapter. And it's a really interesting read, a good blast from the past. And I'm a little bit unnerved because um, that Wizards game, the, the the Delhi coming out party game. Can you mm-hmm. can you can you flash back to that? Where oh, absolutely, the one where he checked uh, Bradley Bradley Beal, Beal at half court. Yeah. yeah, I think um, Kevin Hetrick's uh, tagline for the recap was, "I don't think you're ready for this Delhi," which is something. one of the great, <laughs> might be the greatest te- greatest subtitle in the history yeah. of Cavs blog. But after that game, um, you know, you got to remember at that point, the season was young. The Cavs were this young up and coming team. They were trying to establish an identity. They had just beat the Wizards in Washington or no, maybe they had just lost to the Wizards by a few in Washington. And Washington was also a young but not good up and coming team. So it just felt like the Cavs are going to get revenge they're going to show that they, you know, there's going to be this budding rivalry between these flashy young backcourts. And the Cavs just came out and laid an egg. They just, they played so uninspired for a little more than a half that uh, after a coast-to-coast layup by John Wall, Mike Brown called a timeout, did a hockey substitution, just like all five guys out, new five guys in. The Cavs are down like almost 30 at home to the Wizards, who weren't even good. They didn't have a winning record. And after that game, um, that the Cavs almost pulled off the win behind the spirited play of Delhi. after that game, Dan Gilbert tweeted out, this is the game where we, uh, like, let's look back at this game as the one where we learned our lesson. It's a choice. Or he, he, it was something like that. Yeah, we learned our lesson. Uh huh. I read that. I read that tweet, and I immediately flashed back to that, where it was like, "This shouldn't have happened." Uh, we learned our lesson, and I just thought, "Oh, the foreshadowing! Oh man!" Like the Cavs need to. I believe in curses and demons and all sorts of stuff, and uh, and that was not a good sign. But um, yeah, let's hope. I, I, so. You, you have wandered way. into some strange territory. It's <laughs> a, yeah. a roundabout way of saying no to Dwight Howard. <laughs> but well, that, talk, that's fair. I talk, agree with you. I mean, he's... You were talking in the last uh, pod about uh, Omri Caspi. There was an Omri Caspi sighting in the last pod who is um, one of the league leaders in three-point percentage. And, and one and, of the like consistent bright spots for the Kings. So I don't and think the, he's going the Kings. Anywhere. Well, yeah. So he's third in defensive RPM among the small forwards. Yeah. I mean, when third. I saw, when I saw Caspi, you know, what is my least favorite part about this job of being on Casablog is being right. So often <laughs> about, <laughs> about things yeah. like Omri Caspi, Sean Livingston. I think we're all like right on uh, Sean Livingston. Yeah. Too. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. Oh right God. Here. I wrote, I wrote a whole piece saying, about Long what the term. Cavs should do in free agency. And I said, hey, let's take a look at this Sean Livingston guy. He played really well. He's dunking again. He looks completely returned from his injury. And he spent the last two years on 30-day contracts getting cut. I, I felt like he would accept like a four-year, two to two and a half million dollar. He'd accept a, a, a deal with multiple years at a low dollar amount. And, and I was like, I was like, for the last yeah, year, yeah. I was like, make this guy your backup point guard of the future. I know it sounds silly, but 
I, I bet you you could get him on a good value contract if you did that. And I got a lot of flack for that. Oh, he's no good and all that. And now look at him. The other guy, if you recall, that I wrote an entire piece about the Cavs should go after in free agency was Andre Iguodala. Yeah. And every time I watch that guy, finals MVP Andre Iguodala. He's such a chameleon. He went after Earl Clark. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, how about how about um, spending five thousand words on a Cavs coaching search? And my conclusion is the Cavs should hire Brad Stevens. And the next day they hire Mike Brown. Like the same day I published it. They should have thrown that money that they were uh, earmarking for Calipari. They should have thrown that at Brad Stevens, made him the grandfather, godfather uh, so, offer. So speaking of Brad Stevens, was the Boston game one of the just most painful regular season losses you've ever experienced as a Cavs fan? Because it was for me. Oh, no. I, I, I mean, it wasn't that. as painful as the regular season win that they had the night before. <laughs> well, you, you mean a couple nights before. Yeah, a couple nights before. Let's talk a little bit about... And and not enough has been made of this, and it's probably because of Super Bowl weekend. How screwed the Cavs got by the refs that game. Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, like I've got people that don't even really follow my blog that are like, "Man, what was with that call on Jr.?" And I was like, <laughs> "Yeah." Well, and it was the that second. call was so bad on so many levels. Well, not only that, but a couple minutes earlier in the game. They whistled him for that transition defense when Isaiah Thomas smacked him in the bridge of the nose and 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 JR made no contact whatsoever. You would think they would have looked at the replay and been like, whoops, we got that one wrong. And then a couple, you know, minutes later, when it happens there, they would have been a little more hesitant to blow their whistle. I it was dumbfounding to me. So he he had five fouls the day before in the Char or the game before against Charlotte. He fouled out of that game on three calls that were just ridiculous and a couple other that were okay. The the NBA rescinds or claims that it was, yes, it was a bad call that they made. And then very non-coincidentally, he's only whistled for one foul against the Pelicans. Well, the other thing was well, that play that play where he got the T, they initially called that a foul on uh, LeBron when... Right. Spencer Hawes, American Patriot, um, God, just forearm guy. shivered him to the ground. <laughs> you can't, and you, no, he lost his title. You cannot be an right. American Patriot with a man bun. Man bun, I agree. I'm sorry. What is with that? Yeah, um, yeah. I'm very disappointed in Spencer Hawes. The only Hawes. way you Although, can get away with that say. is if you are holed up in a bird sanctuary in Oregon and you have not <laughs> cut your hair for like a month. That's but, the only way it's acceptable to have a man bun. That was isn't absurd. he like really conservative too? I yeah. think it is right, interesting yeah. that such a conservative guy's got a man. Yeah, like, like only, so he's like the only registered Republican in the NBA. So that's that's not true. But he is the only guy. <laughs> he's Barack, the only guy with Barack Obama, Obama toilet, toilet paper. Right. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but anyway, uh, that was the most tough, gritty I've ever seen Spencer Haas. Like yeah. I, he was the softest big man I ever saw. And he was actually throwing his weight around, but it was only after it was only after they went to the replay to 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 check on what kind of punishment they were going to dole out to J.R. Smith that they realized, oh yeah, that totally wasn't a foul on LeBron; that was an offensive foul. So they aren't even allowed to do that, but they did after after the video session. They went back and called it an offensive foul. So it's like. 
what is going on? Yeah, that J.R. Smith, they, these guys are reflexively assuming he's right. committing all these crimes. It, it just it it really is a shame because I feel like J.R. is an emotional player and it does get the best of him. And I feel like he really has tried this past year to keep his emotions in check, to yeah. play with more professionalism. And it's starting to feel like almost like the refs are undermining yeah, that a little bit. There's two classes of uh, – I, f- I feel like they are calling the game differently for JR than any other player in the league. And, and, but let me go back to that Boston a little bit because not only was the call bad that it wasn't even a foul. Beyond that, they called a ridiculous continuation where the guy took a whole nother dribble and then two steps and laid it up and gave him an and one, which isn't even like, like, isn't even that reviewable? Like, can't you review like, oh, he took another dribble. There's no way that's a continuation. You know, that, that was so insane. Then Mozgov gets fouled by Marcus Smart on the rebound. They don't call it. But the no. worst part of the whole thing was Ty Lue calling out J.R. Smith for making a foul when instead of defending his player for what was so obviously a horrific call. And I said this after the game. The problem with the Cavs right now is that every single person in that locker room cares more about losing money from a fine than calling out the refs for one of the worst final seconds officiating calls I've ever seen in my life. And that yeah. was ridiculous. <laughs> if I'm Ty Lue, I'm taking a $20,000 fine. You who, know, was the last, who was the last Cavs coach to really spit fire at the refs? They've had so many docile coaches when oh, it comes to horrible oh like real like legitimate actual with the refs probably for tello uh yeah do we have to go back that far did um no. what about uh no but like real discussions i mean brown was, got he would explode every now and then and get thrown out brown would ex- like brown that. would explode every no, who now was and the then. coach paul silas had a couple moments Okay, yeah, I can't remember that well about how Paul Silas's demeanor was. But, man, Mike Brown has just got a big smile on his face for 99% of the time. And that 1% of the time, he would go so overboard that the refs are probably laughing, like, okay, we'll throw you out. Yeah. And But David Blatt never, ever, ever got teed up. Oh, Byron Talk Scott, about the, Byron what Scott if, got teed up. Uh, I just, I'm just fantasize about what it would have been had Blatt been able to coach the team for real. Yeah, I, I, really I wish, hope. I wish he would. Have. I wish, he I wish he would have been. Gone. I wish he would have been told the day after the first Warriors game, you're on the hot seat. You got a month to get this together. Yolo and he Blatt. Just, he would have been Yolo Blatt. Yeah. yeah. Well, I almost wish that he would have. I mean, his fatal flaw in the very beginning was assuming that these people were reasonable, whom he was going to coach. Yeah, well, that's a and, great point. Well, I mean, I, I do agree that he didn't – there were there were things he did not do well, in my opinion, as far no, as – of course. Of course. Um, but I guess what I mean is if he were if he were aware of exactly what kind of situation that he was entering, he would have known he was on the hot seat, truly on the hot seat, the second that LeBron came. Right. And from day one, already been like, I have the contract, YOLO already. Yeah. Oh, and, I know. I, that's why I don't get why that immediately never, been like, yeah. So that's for me. That was his flaw. Contract. Yeah, it's a guarantee. Yeah, that's. I don't get that's why, why he goes. Out, he goes hard ass from the beginning. This this yeah. whole year, every post game was like, 
him talking about LeBron, like a 13-year-old girl talking about Justin Bieber. I mean, every game was just like, can you believe that guy? Oh, my gosh. That one that one pass he had. Did you oh see gosh. him on the cover of Tiger Beat? And that's why he's the best in our league. Isn't it so such a privilege? So it's yeah. like, all right, that's good. I mean, I guess I'm glad we're all in Kumbaya land. But now that all this, now that all this is, had come out, yeah. it's just like, man. I can't wait for his book. It's going to be yeah, awesome. You know, maybe if oh, he'd have been more authentic, they'd have been more galvanized. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Which so, I think that's a phrase that will live forever in Cavalier lore. So here, so JR Spec to the topic of JR Spec. Um, Windy on his uh, on his Hey Windy podcast said that the Cavs are actually actively shopping J.R. Smith in an attempt to get like a Ariza type guy, like more of a more of a defender Just than the most insane thing I've ever heard. Well, uh, we, yeah, we, I mean, my how, like literally, he's the most consistent Cavalier over the last two months. Well, he's definitely been better than I. He's he's really come on strong the last month. So yeah, exactly. You need a shooting. You do. Why? He's the only guy other than Delhi consistently hitting threes. So yep, and uh, consistently being decisive with the ball. I mean, you can say a lot yeah. of things about his pump fake and forays into the basket, but at least they're down. You know, they don't always work well. He's not the greatest finisher, but at least they're downhill plays where the offensive guys can get. Uh, off, offensive rebounds off those plays, and they're not just these long threes that lead to runouts for the other team. And he's made some great pocket passes the oh, last yeah. couple games. Yeah, and and some fantastic defensive plays. I mean, that block he had yeah. in the Charlotte game at the end of the first quarter was fantastic. Yeah. You know what's really confusing? That there's a phenomenon right now called dabbing, and there's a phenomenon called dapping. I didn't know they were different things. These They're are different, different things. things. What is the dabbing? I don't even know what dabbing. Other than to dab a little bit into something like knowledge, what? Uh, well, one of them is like a. It's like, late. Like it's a late. Oh my god, <laughs> Tom on the spot, thinking that somehow we might be more hip than him. <laughs> yeah, man. I live. I live in a different continent. I don't. <laughs> okay, what? dab. So, like, the thing Cam Newton does is dabbing. Right where he does this thing where he like puts his forearm or he puts his arm in front of him and he like looks down like he's a karate guy blocking a tomahawk attack or something. And then okay, so you dab somebody else, but you dab yourself. Yes, exactly. And then the right. dapping is the thing with the fingers and the high five where you kind of wiggle them at the other guy's fingers. Is that what that is? <laughs> <laughs> Am I literally the lamest, oldest, whitest man alive? Uh, yeah. Although I have to, all right. So about probably a few months ago, I was asked, "What does is there a word in English for checking?" Because in German they call that a check. They call a dap to to dap someone up is to check them here. And I had no idea what the word was. It's actually and not I, called dapping. Dapping is according to Urban Dictionary. I cannot describe what dapping is, <laughs> but a dap, d a p, yeah, it's like a you know, it's like a high five kind of thing. Yeah, it's well, like I'll be like to dap them up or whatever, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And I've known about why both can't of I you. conjugate that verb? Uh, <laughs> you do not, noun? you do not want to conjugate that verb. Uh, at least, yeah, you know, you do not want to conjugate that word. At least not an urban dictionary. Hey, is is Robert Ooh. Covington gettable in things that have nothing to do with dapping? I'm I'm sure Robert. I'm sure there is no one on 
the uh the Sixers that is not named uh well who the who their two big men are. Um uh, Noel terrible. and Embiid. If, like he's if, good enough that he might be Embiid or Okafor, they're gettable. Because he's good enough that he might be hurting their chances to lose, right? So that could be in the Cavs' favor. Yeah, it could be. Of course, they did trade for Ish Smith after not making any sense with that. Right. Once <laughs> I'm yeah, going to pull an eight and say, this podcast <laughs> is getting long in the tooth, boys and girls. And Nate, I got to be sure, you've been actually recording this whole thing, right? I, I have been recording. Oh, gosh. The America it's... will know how un- I am after this podcast. Uh, so I want to talk one more topic, and then I want our most positive thing we could possibly say. Yeah, uh, at the, about the Cavs. So, um, so Teron Lou, Teron Lou gave a interview oh. with the whole <laughs> "I don't care whatever what I don't care what everyone says about me" um, type posturing. And he compared himself to the founder of a major world religion, um, Jesus himself. Do you have that quote said, in front of you? I, I can get the quote. Yeah, I, I can. <laughs> you should do this I in the can. interest of fairness. Uh, what did he say? <laughs> I was reading it. Uh, let me uh, look up. Here, I look got up. it. Look, yeah, I, they ridiculed Jesus yeah. Christ too. Yeah. <laughs> or sorry, they look, they ridiculed Jesus Christ, so I'm certainly no exception. Right. Now look now, let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt and what he's saying. Well, let me let me finish is... that. I don't care what's being said. I know how loyal I was to Coach Blatt, and the people that know me understand that. I have no control over what people think. I have a job to do and I'm going to do my best. So there you go. That's the full right. quote. Quote, end quote. So, so one way to read into this is what he's basically saying is it's similar to, I know a lot of devout uh, Catholics and Christians that will say, you know, this is my cross to bear. They're not comparing themselves to Jesus. What they're saying is if like the greatest person that ever lived had to suffer, well, I sure as heck also do. Right. Right. It's not, this is not not that big of a deal. Yeah, but but basically what you're saying is, like, I'm not exempt from bad things happening. You're not saying I'm dealing with something. You're not saying my cross is like the actual crucifixion. You're saying I'm not exempt from having to deal with bad things. So I'm going to give Teron Lu the benefit of the doubt and say that's kind of what he meant. But what is up with how awkward these press conferences are? Like, don't talk about Jesus in a basketball context or a media harassing context. I mean, if you want to talk about him in a religious context, okay, but come on. And so this just immediately brought back to memory David Black comparing what he does to what a fighter pilot does. <laughs> the greatest quote of the David Blatt era. <laughs> yeah. I make a With, thousand decisions every minute or something like that. Only fighter pilots do more. <laughs> so I immediately thought of those bumper stickers that say, Jesus is my wingman. <laughs> David Black could have been could have been rolling through Cleveland with a bumper sticker saying Jesus is my wingman, and he's got Ty Lue in the passenger seat. <laughs> so, what, what, are we just gonna are we gonna be privileged to more of these uh, well, awkward? There's press been so many so far, like. 
I really just, have. I mean, I can't even count all, all the times that. Well, I mean, day one, he says, no, we're not going to be different from David Blatt's team. We're going to be, be better. better. Which was like, whoa, shots fired. Yeah. Um, I mean, and he certainly made more comments that are notable than LeBron's made threes since he's been coached. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just all the talk the, to me, the thing that kind of boggles my mind is all the talk about accountability and, you know, better minutes distribution and all this stuff. And we haven't seen any of it. And along well, okay. with that, the now, excuses we haven't had practices. You don't need practices to distribute minutes. I, I, we've been piling on this whole podcast. We needed to get this off our chest. It was uh, a cathartic podcast for a panic attack. There, there was a after a that. Boston, well, no, it okay, wasn't. Yeah. But after the that Boston, Boston loss, Boston was game, like, I don't remember who. I don't know if it was Arch or Scotch or someone said, "On your next podcast, you just need to play ambient sounds." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, turn, on some, well, let's, some, turn on some Yanni or something while you uh, after you're done with this podcast. But let's be honest. I, I, I bet there I'm was. Disagree. A... I'm going to disagree with you, Nate. There has been a there's been a very big change that's been positive that we have not seen until Teron Lu took the reins, and that is Kevin Love's uh, offensive mentality. I thought you were talking about the return of the pregame intros. Oh, is that back too? <laughs> that is back as well. Sorry, please, please continue. No, that is a great thing. But I have now, it hasn't been consistent the whole time, but I have seen maybe three, at least three of the, uh, how many games? Nine games. I mean, the Cavs are six and three in the Tehran Lou era. I would say at least three of those games, I saw Minnesota Kevin Love. I, I, I was blown away by the inside outside attack. The one-legged Dirk bank shots. The, the relentless uh, going after the ball on the rebounds yes. and the loose balls. His and play that, against San Antonio was possibly, phenomenal. possibly phenomenal. his best regular season game in a Cavs uniform. And, and I think it was you that said it, Ben, that you, you noticed right away uh, David West popped him in the face on that first possession. And yeah. boy, did he respond with a vengeance to David West. I mean, he just took it to David West. After that, which was awesome to see. And when the when they fired Blatt, I said, OK, here's what I want to see out of Lou. And one of the three things was I want to see real Kevin Love. I feel like I've finally seen him for the first time. So that is an enormous positive, in my opinion. And it's sustainable. Uh, Do you think it's because of what Lou is doing or the LeBron decided that he probably should involve Love for a couple minutes before, you know, while the media is paying attention? It's hard to say. I mean, I, definitely a, a large focus of those early press conferences was on Kevin Love. Um, and then there was that whole thing where he said Kevin Love's like too slow to play fast. He wants to play slow with Kevin Love in the second quarters and yada, yada, yada. But I mean, what I noticed, I don't know who to credit, was that the Cavs would like repost Kevin Love. I, I never see them do that. And they would actually do that. They'd throw it to him. He'd be too far away from the basket. He wasn't able to back his guy down or he would back him down a couple feet and then help would come and he would kick it back out and they would repost. I have never seen them do that. And to me, it was like, oh, they're sending him a message that it's like, no, 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 no. We're going to make sure you get the ball. And he just played differently. He, he just 
He played like this next shot isn't going to be my last shot. You had no hesitation. And Tom, who did um, the reposting? Who passed him the ball the second time? I mean, it was LeBron at times. And it was, uh, I thought it was Delhy, but it could have been. I mean, maybe there was. I, in those, I can remember LeBron doing it at okay, one time. Well, there you go. In the first few games after the the coaching switch, I was very impressed with LeBron swinging the ball immediately. Right. Uh, he did a lot of touch pass swings that was that was good. Uh, which which game was that? The the Australian night, the game that Delhi was oh, yes. mic'd up. Yes. There was that point. There was that point where he was on the bench, and he, I can't remember who he was talking to, but he said something about trying to get love the ball at the elbow, and that the angles were different, and he was having trouble with it. And it was just like mind blowing because it was clear that they didn't practice enough to get him <laughs> good angles on the elbow. It's just sort of like, huh? Yeah. 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 So my my last question to you guys, um, you know, is this. No, no, you guys need no, to no, both. No, no. No, I know. I, I'm going to give oh, you a positive okay. thing, but okay. real quick, before the positive, we got to have the negative. I'm going to be like, quick. cool, skip to two yes hours. No. <laughs> David Griffin hour. on the hot seat. Everyone is on the hot seat other than LeBron. Okay. Ben, if this well, yeah, thing works out, is that, a hot, enough, that a hot enough take about hot seats? Okay, if if this loot thing is a dumpster fire, does David Griffin lose his job as well? Yeah. Okay. O- only only if there's a replacement in mind, like a Joe Dumars or something like that. Or a John Calipari. Yeah, it won't be a fire him just to fire him. But Oh, God, did you really just say Joe Dumars? Well, hey, he's neighbors. Oh, he's neighbors with Cavs Dan. Ah. They're neighbors. They're buddies. One of the worst GMs ever. Uh, okay. Well, okay. he's Go probably down. made the second worst draft pick ever in Darko. Of course, uh, the worst of all time is David Kahn passing up not one, but two times he passed up Steph Curry for another point guard, which that will never be topped ever. It will never be topped. Uh, right. Anthony For Bennett at number one is pretty darn good. No, 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 Ben. Yeah, not, the, I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I don't agree. I, so I don't agree with what I just said. I know. <laughs> that draft, that whole draft class was horrible. Yeah, the draft Actually, horrible. the whole draft cast wasn't horrible. The front end of that draft class was yeah. horrible. Delhi was great. Way to be. Delhi at number one. Good. Yeah. And, and that wasn't Delhi. Was was Delhi was before that. No, same draft class. Same rookie year as Bennett. No. Yes. Really? Yeah. And huh. the Stifle Tower was that draft class as well, as as well as Giannis Adetokounmpo. So basically the nice. undrafted guy is going to land a sick contract this offseason, and Anthony Bennett might be out of the league yeah. next year. Yeah. That's crazy. Poor gum drop. So, yeah, I mean, to give you a longer answer, Nate, I think, I think yeah, I think David Griffin will be on the hot seat because – David Blatt was Dan Gilbert's guy. Right. Not David Griffin's guy, Dan Gilbert's guy. And now that said, Dan Gilbert likes Ty Lue as well. Yeah. But if and this he blows likes up David Griffin. If this blows up yeah, if this blows up in his face, okay, yeah, I, I could see it. Yeah. Okay, so so uh Tom, your question for us. Now that I've depressed you, yeah. Let's let's bring back up the energy. Let's get a little Anderson Verjao question here. You want an Anderson Verjao? No, question? like <laughs> oh, a positive oh. question. Bring up the energy. Come on. Well, but let's see. Let's. I I really think that David or sorry that Dan Gilbert 
told Lou that you have to play Andy in this game because all Cavs fans basically hate this team right now, and Delhi's not in, so at least put Andy in. Yeah, like, just theory. give the, the, the crowd well, something. Okay. I like that theory, but I mean, Kevin Love was out too, so I think I know was going to play no matter what. All I got to say is that I went from being very annoyed at the prospect of watching the game to, oh yeah, I remember how much I love watching Andy. That's nice. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay, Tom, we we were going to do a, a something positive. Yeah, the, the most positive Cavs vibes that you can dole out on our loyal commentariat. Why we should hold out? <laughs> this is why we needed evil genius on this podcast. Because <laughs> he'd be like, "No, you guys are all wrong. Mozgov is amazing. He's going to be fine." Well, we have we have Deli and Andy, and that is that is, I those guys are worth the price of admission to me. And when LeBron plays unselfishly, he is fantastic to watch. In let us hope that those things can continue through, throughout the rest of the season. And and this Cavs team can be a team that's fun to watch and not painful to watch. And, and I'm hoping that, you know, they're going to get some practices in, which are going to help them with Ty Lue over the All-Star <laughs> break. So there we go. I'm going to go with I don't think the Cavs could possibly have worse chemistry than they do right now, and they're still in first place in the East. So I don't see how, barring injury, they could actually play worse than they're playing. Um, and they're in first place. I'm going to so, take a little bit of issue with that, Tom. Why? Why? I, and it's actually I mean, first. Kyrie no, 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 no. Let me, let me. 20% from three let, or let something. Me, I'm actually going to say, you know, I think in a way we are spoiled by how innocuously well-behaved off the court these Cavs fan, this Cavs team is. For the most part, I mean, we don't hear of them oh, yeah. getting in trouble with the law. They don't consistently do stupid things. No, they're um, extremely professional. Yeah, and you know, I think our our beefs are what we see on the court. You know, so I think in in some ways we've been spoiled a little bit, and I am thankful that for the most part, these guys are very good representatives of the of the city of Cleveland. So I will. Uh, I, I I actually think that. The chemistry could be much worse. I mean, we could look at it, be looking at a team like the Jailblazers. So. Well, I meant I meant the encore chemistry, not. Oh, the, I know. I'm just saying that you know. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like we're not as thankful enough as we should be. So. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I just think the expectations are just so high. Yeah. And it's kind of a shame because. And, and so much of this is because how amazing the Warriors and the Spurs are, and yeah, then looking at the other teams out West are really good too. And the thing that absolutely terrifies me right now for the foreseeable future is this thought that Kevin Durant could go to the Warriors next year. I don't think that's going to happen. I really don't think that's going to happen. And if it did, that'd be game over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. Go ahead, Ben. Um, yeah, Ben, what do you got for us? Make, make uh, everyone feel a little bit better and then go to sleep. Yeah, I know, right? Or wake up for the next day. Um, I got to say that as much as, uh, you know, he's had a hard time this season, Timo's turning the corner. I've seen a lot more activity from him in the last, last few weeks that resembles 
the Timo that that we saw last year for stretches. It's not nearly as explosion. Uh, he's not nearly as explosive yet, but he's making some cuts at the right time, and he's not fumbling the ball nearly as much as the poor guy is getting blamed for fumbling the ball all the time. And Tristan played really well against Anthony Davis for the most part. He really did. And really beat him up. Uh, I mean, he had seven offensive boards in that game. And there was a time that Tristan, anytime you, you'd put him at power forward, you were you're asking for a problem because he Especially really against had, a guy who had range. Exactly. He was, he, I mean, I, you know, he got killed by Kevin Love when Kevin was on the Wolves. How about, and, how about Paul Pierce when he was on the Nets? Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. That, that, don't, don't remind me of anything with Paul <laughs> Pierce. Um, and so, you know, they follow the game plan. They're staying down on, on pump fakes from Ryan Anderson, things like that. So I, I think some of the big guys, they're, they're coming around and they're playing intelligently. And as much as, uh, you know, the possibility of perfection from all of this talent on this team and, and wanting to see all of the talent and the potential realized, uh, we're not getting that, but they're great. It really is a, it's still a great team. It's annoying because you want to see them play at a higher level than they do and try. And then when the issue is just with their brain and trying and not because of talent, it's frustrating. Uh, but that's about as cozy as I can get. Sorry. <laughs> no, and I, I will say, I just want to see them be like the Warriors. I want The Warriors are obsessed with getting better every game, and I feel like the Cavs are satisfied with being good enough to win. On, on I, many on many many nights, and and that is what I want to see him get to that level. That's all, okay. That's all I, I, I I'll slightly tweak the way you said it. I don't think they're satisfied. I think it's kind of what we talked about at the beginning. They don't have the trust to play the way that it should be painfully obvious to them they need to play. They don't have the trust to carry that through a full game for some reason. Um, and maybe they need I, to go bowling. Yeah. I I got a bunch of positives. So, um, Delhi has gone from a liability to a crunch time. There's not that many other people I could think of in the league that I would want at that position alongside a LeBron-led team in fourth quarters than a guy that's shooting 40-some-odd percent from three, doesn't turn the ball over, is a very smart defender, I mean, it, it's it's been he's had just having such an amazing season for him. I know some people are just going to look at his box score stats and be like, "Wow, you guys are all crazy!" Because he has got to be um, the poster child for where box score stats start to fail. I mean, I've never right. seen a guy where the divergence from his raw box score stats to his on court performance is more dramatic than Delavadova. Right. So we got that going for us. I can't envision Kyrie playing much worse, to be honest with you. Um, maybe I've started to take for granted his below-the-rim finishes that I'm, well, if he's doing that, I just expect it. I expect him to improve by leaps and bounds on three-pointers. I expect his defense to uptick a little bit and get back to slightly below average. <laughs> um, I expect him to start developing a little bit better chemistry, maybe playing off the ball more. Um, we got a guy now in Shumpert that... Man, he seems to come up with these big time strips against big time players in key moments that in a in a playoff series 
where you're talking about a lot more ISO and a lot more um, half-court stuff, that is huge. To have a wing player that just gets his mitts on so many balls. Um, Kevin Love, this <laughs> this past couple weeks, is honestly... It's, <laughs> I hate. I hate. Have we have we devolved? Come on, um, it's not that late for you, man. I, I, I don't have any other way to say it. Okay, you hate his me. Mitts, his mitts on so many rocks. I don't know what you want me to say. That's not better. Not um, better. His mitts on the Spalding. I don't know. I, I, I'm sorry that you hate me. I'm sorry that I'm 12. You are. You are. I saw your, your little Facebook post the other day too. I enjoyed that one. Which one uh, was that? Uh, I, I can't repeat it on this podcast. <laughs> but um, so Kevin Love could be turning a corner. I agree with you, Ben. Mozgov's looked better lately. Um, maybe we'll start to see more Verjao and J.R. Smith for the past month. As there's been highs, there's been lows, and J.R. Smith's the ultimate roller coaster type player, and he's been pretty steady. Uh, they've been able to count on him especially on the offensive end. So that, and he was huge in that um, Spurs game, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I actually feel better about the team now, surprisingly enough than I did after the Warriors loss. I mean, they've gone six and three, but the losses have been bad. And that one win should really have been a loss against the Pacers. So, I put up that recap about they're in the middle of a training montage. I believe that. I think if they get some more practices, um, they start to make better decisions, and then some of the individuals will start to just play better, especially Kyrie. I think they could peak at the right time. Um, Wait a minute. Time out, Tom. You feel feel better about them now than you did pre-black firing? Yeah, because I just didn't see this Kevin Love before that. All right. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play us out here. Oh wait, wait. First, I before that. Oh, okay. You gonna get some ambient music? Oh, I got. <laughs> Dear Red, if you're reading this, you've gotten out. Oh, Hingle McCringleberry just did his bar, third maybe you're willing pelvic thrust and got flagged. You remember the name of the town, don't you? <laughs> it's just <laughs> something about bits no, and balls. What? I'm, I'm playing the final scene from Shawshank. I could use a good man to help me get my project on wheels. Oh, man, we need, an a, we need like an intern. Chessboard anyone ready. at Cavs the Blah, anyone out there that wants Remember to work it. for free for Cavs the Blah and do, a good thing. Uh, maybe the best yeah, do a, do a sound. No good thing ever dies. I will be hoping that this letter finds you. Well, while you're trying you to well. cue that up. No, I ah, cued it up. Friend. You guys just can't hear it. Andy. Oh, we'll play it louder. I bought uh, two pounds of G'day Mate coffee <laughs> from Cleveland Coffee Company. Uh, I really did that thing. And the coffee is very good. The website experience, I'm pretty sure my credit card <laughs> went out on the line and it was not HTTPS. <laughs> so, You're pretty sure that your credit card is being used to buy flights in Tanzania now? Well, I haven't noticed any fraudulent charges yet, but I was very unnerved when I realized that I was not secure socket. And it said I was going to get an email confirmation, and I never did. So I emailed the company multiple times saying, bro, it's 2016. 
you know, your GeoCities page is great and all, but I'd really like an email confirmation <laughs> that I'm actually going to get my coffee. And I eventually did get an email back from the owner who appreciated the business and shipping was very rapid and the coffee is fresh and extremely good. So my recommendation, if you're in Cleveland, go pick up a couple pounds of Good Day Mate. If you're not in Cleveland, maybe pay with someone else's credit card. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and definitely don't pay with a debit card. I don't think this is the best way to get a sponsorship. Yeah. But yeah. as always, go Cavs. Go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.